Why did the NHL launch a NFT platform for digital collectibles? The NHL is one of the largest professional sports leagues in the world with over 5 billion in annual revenue. And in November, they launched NHL Breakaway in partnership with Sweet. Now, millions of NHL fans can collect highlights from their favorite teams and players, trade online and complete sets in order to win rewards. In today's Doer Spotlight, we're joined by Laith Murad, CMO of Sweet, and Ray Liu, the Exec VP of Product of Sweet, to discuss the perfect match between sports and digital collectibles, the early results of NHL Breakaway, and why they are seeing such great success with NHL fans being able to come on chain, how Sweet has built their product for Web2 users to frictionlessly be able to collect their favorite moments from their favorite players and their favorite teams and what the future looks like for the NHL and NHL breakaway as they ramp up to the coming NHL All-Star game and they look to bring more fans on chain throughout this year and in the years to come. GMGM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. We are here to make sense of an on-chain world in constant transformation. I'm Jay Bird, your host for today's episode, and I believe that sports digital collectibles is going to change the world. GM, GM, Laith, Ray, welcome to Web3 Academy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Really excited to have you guys on the show today. I'm a massive sports fan. I'm an NHL fan, being from Canada, but I love all sports and I'm so excited to dive into this intersection of sports and digital collectibles because I think there is so much there that is untapped potential. We're just so early in that part of what we're building on chain and in Web3. Either one of you can take this first question or both of you can take it because I'm sure you both have thoughts. But why do sports and digital collectibles in your mind make so much sense together? I'll jump in briefly. I think when you think of digital collectibles, there is no better place in sports. I think in your mind, anybody who's been a sports fan, played sports, watched sports, whether you're athletic or not, we all tend to kind of gravitate to certain plays, certain memories, whether it's in hockey, was it a say, was it Lemieux's shorthanded goal in game two coming down? Was it playing soccer, football, OBJ's catch, you know, Jordan's last second or not quite last second shot to win win his sixth title. Things like that are always ingrained in our memories. So you could think of things from the majors, which I just talked about the Jordans, or you can think of the small things like, you know, the pass that made the shot, whatever it is. And we all kind of personally had this kind of insatiable appetite for watching sports and seeing kind of miracles happen on a daily basis and things that defy odds where all the stats come up, this will never happen. And it happens. And those are the memories that kind of make it, you combine it with family, friends, watching it. And you start to put these plays. I remember where I was when X happened. And so being able to commemorate that actual moment, that actual piece in that memory with a play or a highlight kind of also doesn't just bring you back to the game itself and the team you love and the players you love. It brings you back to where you were and who you were with. And that's what makes sports collectibles to me and to the sweet team, like the perfect intersection of where collectibles need to grow because art pieces are one thing, beautiful, great, hang in your wall. But when you think of those moments, the highlights with the rarely before seen footage, the audio things like that, it, it creates an emotion that I don't think anything else can create. Yeah, yeah, I would echo that 100%. And it's really building on top of, you know, if you look at traditional collectibles, and whether that's cards or posters or jerseys, that's still like static and capturing that one moment in time. It's still not as visceral as like, okay, now it's an audio visual experience. I, I can't imagine, you know, I want to say years, who knows, like six months from now where it's like, oh, now you own the highlight and now, okay, let's VR put you in a seat, right? Like at that game, right? That would be the next level, the next level on tap. That is probably like time travel, right? And going back to that moment exactly. But it's how can we create that like emotional experience? That's the core of every sports fan and sports collector. And you both brought up the 
difference in that collecting sports memorabilia right now, it's, it's static. You're collecting a physical item, which obviously doesn't have audio and visual. Is that one of the big unlocks that we're seeing with digital collectibles that are available on chain in the form of NFTs is that now it is a moving video with sound? Is that one of the big things? Are you also still seeing people collect static imagery in the digital form as well? I don't think it's a or. I think it's an and. Mm. You're still flexing your fandom. You're still buying the jerseys. You're still buying the hats. You might still pick up trading cards when you're out and about the physical ones. The advantage this has is you're out with friends. You're just sitting, whether it's someone's house, out to eat, to have a drink, whatever. You can pull up your phone and kind of share that moment right there and then. Whereas, you know, traditionally those cards have been put in a binder or a shoebox upstairs in the attic or whatever. Your partner in crimes, like, get rid of those things. Like, go shove them somewhere. I never want to see them. And you know, even like I'm sitting here and I've got a Pele and a Beckham signed jersey. They're static. I can go out and tell someone no one can actually see them unless they're in my house. That's the real advantage. And, and it actually becomes a talking point. It's like kind of that, oh, do you remember this? Let me show you. And then there's a whole conversation and narrative. Whereas if you just show a card of Jordan back to basketball, or if you show Mark Messier or Patrick Waugh or Lemieux or Gretzky or whoever, Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, you're just sitting there going, okay, great. But you don't start to talk about that, you know, as they say, filthy wrist shot that he had as his, you know, or his first goal or whatever, or he broke his jaw. You don't kind of see that moment. But when you play that for someone, you kind of all start to talk about, oh, I remember that. Oh, wow. That was a hit. That was a sick shot, whatever it was. And I think that's what we're capturing. We're, we're saying, you can collect everything else. We don't want to stop you. In addition to that, this is a way to have it be dynamic, to be interactive, like start the conversation. I think that's where we see this going. And it's just getting started. Yeah, I think the the unlock is certainly like the the dynamic media in and of itself and the shareability of it. I think it's but by no means it's not like a replacement of, but it's a complement to collectibles that already exist. And we think like, you know, the other unlocks that are more native to, to Web3 is, is one kind of, you know, authenticity and two building community, right? So there, there is no community, I mean, I'm not aware of a community today of like, hey, who are all the Jack Hughes jersey collectors, right? Let, let's all jump into a Facebook group or a Discord. Whereas now, like, like that's part of the culture of digital collectibles. And same with authenticity, right? As Leith mentioned, like in general, in the space, all of us are just getting started. And so we're building the foundation and just imagine three, five, 10 years from now, now we have fans and collectors who have mass collections who are, that are authentic, that are recognized by the league or the brand or the team or the personality. And now they can now identify those fans and collectors and figure out new ways to reward them, new ways to give them more exclusive content uh, in the future. Yeah. Which sort of gets into access, which is one of the biggest things that fans really want We'll come back to access and what we can do in the future later on in this show. Uh, but we're, we're just getting started, and it's so true. But I want to go back to NBA Top Shots really started not just sports collectibles on chain. It really started the NFT mania. It was really the first project that made it mainstream and that everybody said, wow, like this NFTs have got something here. I'm just curious. Your guys, where were you when that happened, when NBA Shop Shots came up? What was your reaction to that? How did it guide your early thoughts around digital collectibles? And maybe what did working with the NHL and launching their NHL breakaway platform, we can sort of lead into how that led the NHL's thoughts of doing something similar to the NBA. Yeah, so for me, I was working at another company during the pandemic, and we were actually talking to Dapper about a digital collectibles platform. So that's how I got introduced to Top Shot. I was actually like, got, I think, a beta invitation before the actual beta invitations. And I think my experience with Top Shot was similar to like more broadly digital collectibles in general, where it, it certainly took a minute to like wrap your head around it of like, well, how is this different? For me personally, once I started collecting, then it, it's like, then for me, I get it. Like I grew up collecting 
baseball cards, hockey cards. I collected marble cards, Magic the Gathering. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, I played a ton of video games growing up. It was a very natural fit for the things that I, I grew up and loved to, con- to collect. And so like you have that. And then it's just like one, getting into the communities, right? Finding a group of like-minded uh, fans and collectors. And it's just like the, the fun of it, right? Whether it's Top Shot early on, I was super into FX hash and a lot and Tezos like object. So just having fun collecting art and really real creative things. And just for the pure joy of just like experience it, like this is amazing. Let me show this, share this on Twitter. Let me share this on Instagram. And I think that that's kind of like the opportunity that we have with scaling this and, and having wider adoption. How do we get folks in the door and get that first experience from there? I think all of us, you know, are striving to build the greatest product possible. And so it's really just about like that initial education, that initial first step of getting people through the door. Yeah. And and for me, I think take everything Ray said and then fast forward to NHL comes out, you know, a couple of years later and kind of the patience to build it, the patience to do it, really, really focusing um, on the fans, the everyday fan, as well as the Web3 collectors who are actually out there. And then things that you can replicate that, bring that nostalgic moment back to you. So we all remember having trading cards or whatever, anything on the playgrounds where you kind of can only trade within the circles. Like whoever you physically can touch. Like I can't be like, oh, you live in Whistler, Canada. How am I going to get you this? Like that just wasn't happening. I wouldn't even know what you had. What you had. And so focusing that way, we launched the trade lounge, which allows you quickly and seamlessly. I'm a Jack Hughes fan. And he put, oh everybody's in Jersey that has it. Like I'm in California. How do I get it? Well, the playground doesn't work that way, but the digital component does. And so making that easy, making it easy for the fans to collect, to trade, you know, to buy, sell, it's really important. So, you know, that's where we focused in on is really focusing on, on the fan experience and them as our true North, as opposed to kind of, Oh, we only want it to be to this small group of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point that uh, it often makes me think about European sports when I think about community. In North America, our communities around our sports are just not as developed as soccer or football, if you want to call it football in Europe. Like they have, and, and you know, I'm in Canada, I'm not in Europe and nor am I a massive European <laughs> soccer fan by any means, but some of my teammates are in Europe and one of them's a, a massive Chelsea fan, you know, and he doesn't even live in England. He lives in Romania and he's part of a community in Romania that like hangs out and watches the Chelsea games together. And so there is so much about sports is bringing people together, as you guys said. And That's- so now we can do that digitally in a way that we never could before it, feels like a huge unlock. I want to lead into from working with the NHL, like when the NHL first came to you guys or you first started meeting with them, what were their objectives with this? Were they trying to make revenue? Were they trying to build community and focus on the fans? I mean, I'm sure they have multiple objectives. I'm just always curious, what is the right now their focus and how do they measure success with something like NHL Breakaway? So I'll let Ray answer parts of this, but I just want to clarify one thing. We're not only working in partnership with the NHL, we're working in partnership with the alumni association, NHL alumni association and the players association. Everyone came on board, which was really critical to the success of this, as opposed to, oh, we have the NHL. And then, you know, there's other alumni groups or players associations. As you know, sports are complex, more complex than most people realize in terms of groups and Things. So it's really a testament to the NHL and to Sweet as we came together to really bring everyone into the fold as to what we're trying to accomplish and how we're trying to enhance the experience of the fans of the NHL and the hockey experience itself. And I think it was critical that that happened and it happened early. And I think it's been uh, a testament to everyone jumping on board and you know being a part of the program. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it can't speak directly on behalf of the NHL, I think as, as we work with them, and as we look at it, it really is, how do we make the experience better for fans? How do we introduce new fans to the sport of hockey? And how do we help fans deepen their fandom, right? So if we do all those three things, then everything else, whether that's, you know, marketing, revenue, like an- ancillary products that the leagues or teams have, 
all of those fall into place. But if we're not super serving the fans and making this experience better for them, if this isn't additive to their love of the game, then like we shouldn't even start, right? Yeah. So it all has to be, I saw this great moment watching it on TV or seeing it in person, or it could be nostalgic, right? Oh, like like I remember watching the, the Devils win the cup in the 90s. And how do I relive that moment? And how do I easily connect with other groups of fans where now 30 years later, we're scattered all across the country, but how do we rekindle that and, and find each other? So I think really that that's kind of like the core truth that grounds kind of everything we're building strategically and from a product development standpoint. I got to ask, which are your uh, fan alignments? You both, you both keep bringing up Jack Hughes and the Devils. So are you both New Jersey Devils? That, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, I, I grew up in New Jersey. So I'm 44. I do remember the the heydays of the Devils, the neutral zone trap. I wasn't into like the X's and O's of hockey as much, but certainly watched the playoffs at the time. You know, back then it was newspapers. So like the day after they win the Stanley Cup, I would like grab the sports page and like that's my collectible. Like I probably somewhere if my mom hasn't thrown them out. So in my attic, I have like newspapers of like Devils and Yankees and Giants like winning Super Bowls or Stanley Cups or, or championships. So that's my my NHL sports origin story. I grew up in Chicago, so I went to school at Wisconsin. So I tended to gravitate to the Blackhawks. I went to the Stanley Cup. I saw Lemieux. I saw the I saw one of the games of the sweep. You know, in Chicago Stadium, old Chicago Stadium, the Chelioses, the Roenicks of the world. You know, the Belfours of the world. So that was my allegiance. Out in California, if I had to pick one, I know that it's not the popular one, but I go with the Ducks. <laughs> I, I was like, what, what, what are the ones are there? Yeah, there's only so many options. Yeah, I mean, we have the Kings, but I've been to Kings games. I've been to Ducks games. You know what? I'm just going to stick to the Ducks. That's my California team. But if I, my heart is, you know, more Chicago. Well, you, I mean, you both grew up in great sports cities. That's for sure. Like you're lucky that you grew up in a city where there was Stanley Cups being one and you could go and experience those. Uh, I grew up in uh, Toronto during the, dull days of us thinking we were the best and then never actually doing very well, which continues to be the case, to be honest. And now I'm closer to Vancouver on the West Coast. And, and speaking of Jack Hughes, they got Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes' brother, the Canucks now. So that, that feels good. And then my wife is an Oilers fan, so I actually kind of shirt for the Oilers now because well, she's diehard. It's funny you bring all that up because what we find is go back years to the 90s or whatever, you were fans of teams and teams kept players forever and ever right you know you think of sports jordan yes he went to washington but he was a bull forever and ever you think of you know the new york knicks with patrick ewing forever and ever uh detroit with all the players and then you think of the Isermans. he was there you think of Chelsea, like they're ingrained into the team and it's interesting because now what we're finding especially with when you think of collectibles we try to make sure it's really easy that whether you love the team because a lot of people may Ray included, may love the Devils, but if Jack Hughes gets traded or moves, he may still follow Jack Hughes wherever he goes and still like the Devils. And that is what is making this so special is that the ability to be fans of teams and players is so much easier in today's world with the digital, with the uh, ability to collect, to trade, to find. So you may collect teams, but you may also collect players or you may collect positions you may love goalies because you played in whatever growing up and all of a sudden you just want to collect all the goalies or the great goalies or whoever it is and i think that's what makes this so fun is that you actually can do it whereas old school it was more difficult you could but it's just much more difficult whereas now you can actually you know trade with people in new jersey you could trade with people across the pond wherever they may be and that's really fun Yeah, certainly the ability to move digital assets is just, you can't even compare it to the ability to move physical assets. It's next to impossible to deal with the trading or buying and selling of sports memorabilia. You've got a million people in the middle. You got to pay a lot of fees. You can't go peer to peer. There isn't even really a ton of marketplaces for that. I mean, I guess like eBay and things like that, but it, it does change drastically with NHL breakaway and programs like yeah. that. 
let, let's talk and a I, bit about just one one little thing. I think it's really interesting because like I love shoes. It's my like if I have a yeah. thing that I like to buy shoes, and I just bought a pair of shoes off StockX, and I'm like, dude, these things haven't shipped yet. Where are they? Like, come on. And I think it's not so instant, but the technology of an NFT, because it's got to get shipped, it's got to get authenticated, then it's shipped from them to you. And, you know, by the time you're done, it's two weeks. Whereas the technology and the backbone of this, the blockchain NFT, I think that's what makes it so perfect for collectibles. It's instantly authenticated. It's instantly known as officially licensed. You can add utility to it, to whoever owns it. You can see where, who has it, whose hands trade it. Unlike in eBay or everything else, if you buy whatever you may collect, whether it's shoes or whatever, if I get rid of them, it's gone. Like nobody knows where they land. And in this case, we do know where they land. And I think that's what makes the technology and the backbone uh, of the technology so powerful is that we can actually authenticate. This was officially licensed by the NHL. And this is really what you're collecting and what you're getting is authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's so important. Let's talk about NHL Breakaway. For those who haven't used NHL Breakaway for our listeners, give us just sort of the the background on what is it, what's involved, how can people get involved? I mean, I mean uh, very, very high level, you know, the official digital collectibles program of the NHL. We've had we have agreements with, with the NHL, the NHLPA, and the NHLAA. So allows us to get access to player name, image, likeness of all the current players that we see today, as well as a fairly lengthy list of, of alumni that goes back through kind of like 80s, 90s, and throughout the years in, in NHL history. So that's its core. We launched, uh, you know, w- with beta around last summer, so around June 2023, and really focused, I think, year one on just like laying the foundation, getting the core pieces that you all see on the site today. So drops, marketplace, trades, set completion quests coming pretty soon. And then really just like learning, right? Getting feedback from the community, understanding that we're still early. What's it like for the native web for user coming into the platform and what's it like for a new web two user what are the gaps and where can we learn and where can we improve some of our communications messaging and then where is the space in general right and where can we collectively uh continue to educate and, and inform uh collectors yeah i i think he said it extremely well the one thing that i think is also really great that the nhl has provided is we've got some really unique footage rarely before seeing angles when you think of all the camera angles in today's environment from, you know, spinning around all these cameras going through broadcast only sees a few of them. The only time you ever see it is like when they zero in on, oh, what did it, what happened here? And, you know, they're showing you a real close up, but you don't see the celebration often. You don't see them, you know, skating to the bench and getting the high fives and hugs and everything else after something great because they cut to the replay of the goal we get all that footage. So we're able to piece together kind of the whole story of the highlight, the whole story of the moment and the play. And I think that's really critical to, you know, what we're doing. And then recently with uh, what we called Cause for SLE 90s pack, where we're celebrating some of the greats of the 90s. We had Kenny Albert, who's the voice of the NHL on TNT, as you, you may be aware he uh, voiced, so he exclusively narrated what is, what did this play mean? What happened? So it's almost not, it's not a play by play. It's as opposed to a, this was the impact that that play had, that highlight had not only in the game or to the player, but to the series or to the Stanley Cup or whatever it may be. And so that variation is something you won't find anywhere else. You won't find anything like that on YouTube. Some of the highlights and clips you won't find anywhere. Nobody will have those images. And so the fact that, you know, we get rarely before seen video, sounds of the ice so you can hear it, I-, I think it makes it really special. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't realize that you were making basically new, unheard of, un- unknown footage and packaging it together in a way that was not available anywhere else, which for a super fan is very exciting. It's That's yeah. what it's all about. Like, give me access to something, a clip that I've never seen before a voice like Kenny Albert that's so famous within the NHL that's so recognizable to hear him talk about that highlight means so much. Let's talk about, to me, there's four 
major aspects of NHL breakaway that I find very interesting. And I think this is, there's drops, there's marketplace, trades, and play. I think everyone understands marketplace. If you're any of our listeners, will get that part of it. But I want to I want to touch on drops and trades in particular because Laith, you mentioned the trade lounge. It's a unique thing that you guys have built that doesn't really exist yet on many other NFT collections or platforms. And I also just want to touch on drops because I think that drops it's the entry point that anybody new is going to come into. I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, obviously they could go to the marketplace and buy something in particular if they wanted that. But my guess is that they're, is that what you find that the first step of a new person to NHL breakaways, they're usually going to pick up a drop and then they're going to get a pack and who knows what's inside. And there's an element of surprise of that, that sort of feels like opening up a, a pack of cards in the old days and the way we used to collect cards. Is that sort of the idea there? Or what are your thoughts around how you built out drops? Yeah, I, I think drops certainly the gateway and it most closely resembles, right, for Web2 or physical collectors, like, like that experience. I think the marketplace is a bit more for browsing and getting collectors at least like being able to identify like, hey, like what things might I get? What does this highlight look and feel like? But uh, I, I think Generally, we see folks going new users going to drops first, and that's where they're making their initial purchase. Okay, and then what about trades? Let's or lace. Do you have anything to add on I drops? Just, yeah, I mean, the other thing is we have we see people who are starting to collect favorite teams and players, right? So if that's your journey and that's what you're looking for, marketplace makes it super easy to filter by player, filter by team, quickly, you know, by rarity tier, whatever it is. But they start with team and player, and so. If you're a devil's fan and you want to collect all the devil's highlights, go search and, you know, just filter. And so that makes it easy. So drops drops are the unique surprise, fun, but a lot of people then look at marketplaces. How do I collect what I love? And then trades. Let's talk about the trade lounge because it's very unique what you guys have built here. Trade lounge, the trading was actually native to a uh, sweep platform, right? Before we even worked with the NHL. And again, it's kind of like, how do we recreate those you know, more visceral experiences that remember on, on the playground, in the lunchroom, trading hockey cards, magic cards, marble cards, micro machines in my case. But how do we take advantage of digital collectibles and the online space? So now what we've done is when, you know, if I'm I'm looking for, let's use a different player, I'm looking for a Sidney Crosby, I'm now not limited to just those people that I know or that I'm connect, connected with or that I follow on Twitter. Like now I can publish out a trade offer or trade request to the entire community. So now I'm looking for Sidney Crosby. I'm offering a Jack Hughes. Now anyone who's holding that Sidney Crosby will get that trade offer and anyone will be able to accept it. Once the first person accepts it, then that trade offer is withdrawn. So we're not, you know, obviously creating issues with, with like duplicate trades or things like that. But it, it's like the the adoption rate on it, like as soon as we launched, was incredible. As we're launching something new, you never know of like, all right, will, will it be a trickle? Will you, you just understand the UX? But immediately, like within Discord, on Twitter, we see people creating their own list of like, okay, here's what I have to offer. Here's what I'm looking for. And people just really just taking the platform and using that to complete sets or collect more and stack their favorite player or their favorite team. And also you can... Um... You see in the trade lounge and even marketplace, so you can look for edition numbers, right? I want the Bedard 91. That's what I want. So you can limit it to that, or you can say, I just want Bedard. I don't care what number it is, but that's that makes it fun too. So it is really built for fans, collectors to really look at it any way they want to look at it. It reminds me of when I was a kid and you know, it's like, Ray, you brought up Magic the Gathering. And I remember... Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Pogs, like all these things that I collected. And I remember trading with my friends like at lunch. That was so much fun. And I guess this maybe gets into like the different categories of collectors. For me, it wasn't about making money or trying to get the most valuable piece. It was just about having fun and more the game of trading and trying to get a different piece that that meant something to me, not necessarily it meant somebody somebody else. I guess this kind of gets into the question around who are the people right now that are engaging what uh, in NHL breakaway? Are they more those collectors looking to make money? Are they more people just having fun and interacting with another way to in, engage with the NHL and their favorite teams or players? 
I'll take a little bit and Ray can add on to it. You know, early on, obviously, when you go out early in something like this, you're going to hit a lot of collectors, the community of collectors. Um, we do find a lot of them are big hockey fans as well. It's not an either or. You're getting collectors who are also hockey fans. And so you're getting, we, we got a lot of those early. But what's nice is, you know, we're going to have a presence at the All-Star game. We're going to be around fanfare. We're actually going to be giving away some free packs so people can get, just get started so fans can start to understand it. And we're doing something special with the alumni where we have uh, three former players, you know, who are going to get up and talk about their favorite moments, their favorite highlights. So the Alumni Association is kicking off a speaker series and they're going to, you know, do it where they show some of the breakaway highlights and have, have the guests talking about it. And you've got the Doug Gilmore's, the Glenn Healy's, Sedana Chara, who are going to sit up there and tell you about their on ice experiences and how they relive some of these memories. And so as we start to grow and we start to look at it holistically, we do provide the product that really does meet the needs of any collector out there. As you said, Trade Lounge is kind of unique to us in many ways, but we also are going to be opening kind of the eyes of the NHL fans themselves to really say, how do you get to participate in this? And I think that's what's going to be really, really fun going forward. I think it really is like we have we, we have the core audience, which, you know, not surprisingly, a lot of comes from other sports collectible programs. And then moving forward, how do we start to gradually reach out to the, the more Web2 users, more mm -hmm. kind of like broader NHL fans? Like, are we going to get, I have a friend who like literally within the past year just got comfortable with online banking, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get them, right? But for those that, you know, are mildly interested in technology, whether that's, you know, digital cloud goals, whether that's AR, VR, whether, whether it's just like, you know, playing around with new apps on their iPhone, I think those are great opportunities because they're folks that are interested, intrigued by technology, see the benefits, see what types of doors and opportunities it can unlock. And then how do we weave that into their love and passion for the game of hockey, for their team, for their favorite player to make their experience even more rewarding? What is the onboarding process? It's amazing to hear that you're going to have coverage at the upcoming NHL All-Star Game, which is in Toronto, Canada. Very exciting. That's the big question, I think. You know, everybody in crypto web three has right now is like, okay, we know we have however many million you want to say are in the on-chain world and interacting, but we're still small, right? We don't have the masses by any means yet because it's quite techy and quite difficult to use. And there's a lot of friction. Now that is improving. What is the, the process? Like, could I give my mom who does not have a wallet and is not going to go and bridge ETH or do anything like that? Could she sign up with an email and a credit card and simple onboard? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes us unique is our platform was built on how do you make it as easy as possible? It's as simple as authenticating with Google or Apple, two of the big ones. Authenticate. If you want to buy one, you can pull out a credit card. We do all the things on the back end. It's in your collection. We make sure we record it to the blockchain and everything else. All that happens behind the scenes. So when I talk about blockchain technology, NFTs, that to an, a web two person who's getting into this we don't need to talk about that other than uh, it's authentic and officially licensed and that's what's most important to them so making it easy is you don't have to set up a, a a new wallet you don't have to do anything and we talked about trading and you know marketplace you can also gift one you can literally just not ask for anything i can send you one a pack right now and just say hey i'd like to share it with you if you get it you just click the link if you aren't registered you simply just do what I said. Oh, I logged in with Google. Great. Now it's in my collection. I think that's Sweet's technology that is really, really easy to use. And I think that's what's going to make, if we're going to get to the masses, and I'm talking the millions and hundreds of millions in this collectible industry, I'm not just talking NHL, it's got to be as easy as possible and almost feel very e-commerce-like for anybody playing. You mentioned that you launched in sort of beta in the summer of 2023, and that I believe open beta in November, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong on that. What have the results been like so far? We're happy with them. Look, we've spent a lot of time listening to the community, hearing what they had to say. We launched with the Trade Lounge, really showing we we're a fan first, fan focused. We had gifting come earlier than that. We started set completions. 
So we were really appealing to the fans and the user base and the collectors shortly after launch marketplace. So we've had this plan all along to really focus beta on getting things right from a product, from a features, from making sure that the adoption, the technology and everything else, as we start to open it up to the rest. So we're all excited. Everyone's super pumped. Each new feature that we rolled out, we've seen like incredible adoption and, and usage. So it started intentionally being fan focused around how do we allow fans with their existing collections to complete sets, then to trades, and then to marketplace and then quests upcoming. And then I'll, I'll say like, and we're learning along the way. Like I'd say like the one feature that like we removed from the site, one, we used to have a recording ability when you opened your pack, but like, and this gets a little, a little techie, but with like, kind of like new browser policies amongst Safari and Chrome, like it made recording a little bit difficult. So that overall user experience wasn't optimal. And we ended, we ended up pulling that back. And because now users, their savvy users are used to recording on phone or taking screenshots, at, at least to, to share kind of like the extent of their collections or, or their profiles. So we're, we, yeah, we're, we're laying the foundation. We're continuing to learn. We definitely see a very passionate uh, group of collectors online. And now it's like, how can we get as many features out as as safely and efficiently as possible? Kudos to you guys for, for trying different things. Like that's what, that's yeah. everybody in this space right now is crazy when they think that everything we make should work. Like we are so early on chain. We need to test a lot. We need to experiment. And that means a lot of it's not going to work, but that's okay. Like that's a good thing in my mind. You both have mentioned completing sets. I want to just touch on that because I think that's a very unique thing about digital collecting versus physical collecting. And physical collecting, it's you can complete sets, but it's harder to do because you don't necessarily know what is within the set if you're a new collector Whereas with digital collecting, it can show you, hey, here's the next step to your collection. Oh, you want to complete this set? And then if you complete a set, you can do access and utility. So I want to touch on that concept of completing sets a little bit. Can you guys tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So our, our, our sets are all themed. So, you know, we have we have our core base set, which is just great highlights from the current 2023-24 season. We have sets themed around first goals, whether that's first goals from current rookies or first goals from we have an opening ice elites collection which is first goals from you know multi-time all-stars and just great iconic players in the past and so on any breakaway there are pages where you can view okay for this set of rookie goals here's the 20 highlights uh, that are within the set here's the ones i own here's the ones that i'm looking for the ones and then soon we're going to have a feature where great now the ones you're looking for can link directly off the marketplace can link directly off the trade lounge so you can see okay now these are the ones I'm missing. Help me obtain that, right? And help me complete the set versus, yeah, I would go to trading card shows. I never completed a physical set just by like randomly. The only way I ever completed a set growing up was I went to a card show, gave them $60 and got like a long box. And like, all right, here's your set of 1990 Fleer. And then I never opened the box and it just sits in my attic somewhere, right? <laughs> so but it's one how do we make that fun and, and engaging, right? And some of that does, again, tie into to Trade Lounge. And then two, how do we recognize and reward users for completing those sets? And so the first kind of the V1 of that is, okay, now we're going to reward you with an exclusive highlight that ties into this theme uh, of the set. So now it's not just a first goal from this rookie, but it may be a rookie that's not included, that hasn't already been included in the set, or it's some compilation, or it's them winning kind of the, the the calder award and then that's v1 now okay three years from now five years from now as we have collectors who continue to complete sets now how do we tie those teams together how do we reward users for completing multiple sets across multiple seasons that's when it really starts to get fun and engaging and you get to then in, okay these collectors love goalies these collectors love rookies these love veterans or all-stars right it one makes it exciting for collectors. It makes it exciting for, I think, all of us working on the program because we get to see like where are folks' passions? Where should we start to lean in more when we're curating sets or when we're thinking about quests? So yeah, there, but there's a lot to learn from it, but a, a lot that we're delivering starts from an, a fun factor to the overall collecting experience. Let's talk a little bit about access because you kind of mentioned this. Maybe access isn't the right word here with what you just said, Ray. You were talking more about 
you know, rewards, but I think access is a form of reward and utility is a word that gets thrown a lot around a lot in the Web3 NFT space. Are you guys doing anything right now with access? Do you have plans to do anything with access in terms of, I don't know, maybe it's access to tickets to a game, maybe it's access to a- another digital collectible. With working with the NHL, there's so many assets available to you. Anything you're doing there now or have plans for in the future? Right now, we're scratching the surface in terms of rewards. The ones that are currently live are more digital collectible-based rewards. But yeah, yeah, certainly. It's probably a big initiative on, on my plate and Lace plate. The next quarter, the next two quarters is, okay, like, here's the plan. Here's the various types of rewards that we can do. And now it's, okay, what's the curation? What's the overall fulfillment? How do we scale this? If we're doing, let's just say we're, just say we're doing hats. If we're doing hats, how do we scale fulfillment of... 50,000 hats. I don't know. It may be a little hard, right? So how do we not stay at the top? We talked about kind of deepening fandom and fandom's not just purely online in the digital collectible space, right? It's going to the merch shop. It's going to the game. Maybe like taking a tour of the arena, right? When there's not a game going on, free parking, free upgraded concessions. So I think all of those are on the table for consideration. And so it's a matter of one, operationally, how do we execute on those? Two, what do we think fans are looking for and most interested in? And so we've been putting out a couple of surveys to the audience, kind of gathering feedback on what they would like to see from the program. What do they enjoy just about experiencing hockey, whether it's watching that on TV or going to the game? And how do we then tailor rewards and prizes that we feel kind of like satisfies the broadest audience of fans out there? So nothing we can publicly announce yet, but know that that's certainly heavily on our radar and something that I was going to answer it very simply. We're looking at all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Ray's last point was super important. We're listening to the community. We're hearing what they want. We're not just randomly going to send people hats when everyone said, "Uh, I don't want a hat. We're going to make sure, you know, we provide access, utility, or other things, you know, uh, experiences or memorabilia to what they're looking for. And that's the overall goal If when you think about Breakaway itself is we're centering ourselves 100% around the fans, the collectors. We're looking what is best for them. And, and the NHL, to their credit, has been great in supporting how do we make this experience of the NHL, bring in new fans, enhance the existing experience, and all of that comes into play. Just while we talk about the future, I feel like I should get you guys back on here in six months. Anything else that's coming that you can tell us about that you talked, we talked a little bit about access. What else is on the roadmap? What else are you excited for the rest of 2024? From a product standpoint, I'll let Ray answer. I think you're going to start to see us more involved. I think we're working closely with some of the clubs and doing some things special with the clubs. So Mm -hmm. you'll start to see club specific things, which again, unlocks when you think of unlocking utility it's not just the nhl it could be local to your local favorite team that we're looking at working with and you know can't speak to any clubs today but i can speak to the fact that we're working together with some of the clubs to really deliver to their local fan bases as opposed to just looking at it even national fan bases but the ones who love their team in their club. And then you're going to start to see our presence even more, whether that's at the all-star game or on a jumbotron or wherever it is that now that the product is really, to me, the best in the industry of sports collectibles, the opening experience, the pack opening, the highlights themselves are really, really fun, really starting to kind of send that message and shout loudly. Yeah. So it's, uh, from a product standpoint, I think certainly quest and rewards heavily on the radar for the next three to six months, I think, between both product and marketing. How do we continue to to, to build community throughout and, and tie folks together on board users who are may, maybe more natively in Web2 and, and give them opportunities to to connect with others offline? And then as we get the six-month mark, then it's like, okay, like even much earlier than that, like what does 24-25 look like, right? <laughs> If this year is laying the foundation, getting feedback, then how do we kick off, you know, next October and really continue to build upon all the experiences and great feedback that we've had to date? Love to hear it. Love to hear that you're building for the future because there's a big wave coming, I believe, our listeners believe, and we're just so 
early right now, everyone that's interacting on chain. And I think the rest of the world will get here over time, especially with products like yours that make it so much easier to engage and where it's not just about speculation, right? You're in this because you're a fan and because you're excited, not because you're trying to make $100,000 off of a monkey JPEG. So it's a big difference, the type of user that's coming, which is super exciting. I want to give you guys a chance to just give a little bit of a shill. Any of our listeners that are excited about NHL Breakaway, how can they get involved? What what would they you tell them to do? Look, we're going to give you a link that you can post and everyone can get started with a free pack. So start there, you know, get your two highlights. We've got 32 teams, 64 highlights. Get it. Then if you don't like what you get, hop over to the trade lounge or the marketplace, do whatever you want to do and, you know, really have fun with it. But again, I think you nailed it. It's like collect your passion, collect the teams you love, the players you love. Like that's what to me is exciting is getting people involved in in a sport they love to see footage they've never seen before, to share it, to talk about it, to hold it on their phone when they're out and about with friends. And so we'll share a link. You can share a link uh, when you post this and we'll talk about, you know, getting people involved. Amazing. We'll throw the link in the show notes, everybody listening. That's awesome. You guys can get your first free pack on NHL Breakaway. Whether you're an NHL fan or not, this is your chance to just try another platform and to experience it, which is really the best way that we all learn right now. Because as we said earlier, there's so much experimentation happening. And if you're either building on-chain or you want to be involved in the on-chain world, the best way to learn is by just participating. Uh, okay. I want to go to a speed round, a couple fun questions for you guys. I know you're excited about this before we wrap here. Okay. First question What's an NFT you'll never sell? For me, there's a question called the the Oracles, which is, it's it's on Tezos. It's like, they build themselves as the first generative PFP collection. So it's about like nine months ago when a lot of generative AIR platforms were coming out. So I've got like 20 of those. So, but I feel like there's at least one or two I'll still hang on to regardless, just as it being like the first of its kind. So Mm. that's mine. I don't know who I would never sell i hate to say it that way um, no you could say you'd sell them all at all right i'll just say like i like to collect what i love and so when i get emotionally connected to something I, i'm not selling because i just don't want to like and the, the meaning for me is this is not about money financial this is really about collect what you love i buy things in my collection that i don't care for and if someone wants it i will gift it to you because I don't really care, even if it has value, because it's not about that. It's funny, yeah, because mine, mine almost is like a bragging rights thing of like, hey, like I got the first like one of this type of PFP that was ever made, right? <laughs> yeah. So that to me, you know, it goes back to I think your question harkens back to the days of like, I've got an autographed Jordan, I've got a autographed Pele jersey. He passed away. People are like, oh, are you going to sell it? And I'm like, no, sorry. Like, I think digital collectibles are going to fall into that same camp of like, I'm not going to give up my Gretzky hat trick. You know, I'm not going to give up whatever it is. I think when people start to look at this as collecting what they love, that's when adoption grows. Yeah. And that, and that thing that you love doesn't need to be some all-star magical moment in the league. It could just be, maybe it's a highlight from the first game you went to. And that is me to you but doesn't mean anything to anybody like, you know, or has less meaning to other people. hundred percent at home in an attic. I totally have like one or two sports programs uh, that are literally worthless, but Hey, this was my first game at Brendan Bird arena or at Yankee stadium. Right. It's personal and, and it's for me. Right. So some, mm-hmm. a lot of collectibles can just be for that. And it's not like, okay, what, what happens after this? It's like, no, like hmm. nostalgic. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. Next question, a must-read book. I'll give you two. I'll save Ray the trouble. I'll give you two. Ray can give his two or one. Professionally, I love the book called The Culture Map. It really talks about as we move into this global world, you're in Canada, you move into Europe, you talk about friends in Romania or wherever they may be. It really talks about the difference in cultures and working alongside people and how people approach things. Really great read. If I go to the personal side, it's about a CIA loosely based on truth 
called The Killer Collective by Barry Eisler. Outstanding book. Mine is uh, House of Leaves. It's by Mark Z. Mark Z. Daniel Lusky. It's a bit of a sci-fi novel. It's kind of like Blair Witch meets, I don't know, Inception, where it's like you're reading a novel, but then within that, there's a novel. Within that, there's like footnotes of narrator, like narrator notes about the context. And so it's like an adventure just reading it in and of itself. You have to like sideways and all kinds of things as you're going through it. So I apologize. Sorry. I was hitting decline and it wouldn't decline. This is okay. It's okay. We're, we're over time by a few minutes. We're your next call to go to. So we'll wrap up. Here's our last question. It's the billboard question. Everybody's favorite question on, on this show. If you had a billboard that 1 billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? Now, now I feel like I have to give two answers. Literally, my first answer was breathe. And, and then I thought it was coincidental because that's how, you know, we started the show. And it's just like, there's a lot of stuff going on, whether it's, you know, work or personal and, and just like how to just like pause and take a breath and understand and, you know, take a moment. Everyone's going through the same journey and not have things that, you know, maybe affected you right now affect how you're interacting with someone at the gym or at the coffee shop because then there's like the butterfly effect. So how do you bring that positivity positivity everywhere you go? My second crazy answer is, is I would put a QR code on there and the next QR code would just take you to a pinpoint of a map of exactly where you are just because I think it would be fun and incredibly confusing for people. Of like, what's this QR? What's this billboard? And you scan it. It's like, oh, I'm here. Okay, cool. And there's probably some deep philosophical thing to that as well. Sounds kind of creepy, though, that you know where I am. <laughs> I was thinking from a business standpoint, I always kind of remind myself of this one quote. Like, I kind of came up with the quote, so I, I maybe I stole it from someone a long time ago, but I don't think so. Is I always kind of remind myself, if the customer is your true north, you'll always be right in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think we always... I think a lot of companies, whether it's customer service or even walking into a store, lose sight of the fact that if you focus in on the customer, whoever that customer is, in our case, it's the NHL fan, the collectors, if you focus on them, in the end, you might not be right every time, but in the end, you'll always be right. Love that. Love that advice. Both sides. Love the personal breathe. The fun QR code. I think you need breathe with the QR code. Yeah, they think you're together. Yeah, I think like together. together. It's like nah, enough breath, and then no. Wait, huh? after you scan it, then it changes to say breathe, so you don't freak out. Like, there you go. And then your Apple Watch starts telling you your breath. Like yeah. I think it's yeah, pretty good. Gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, shout out to you and the whole sweet team for what you guys are building uh, and bringing new people into the on-chain world and really being leaders in sports, digital collectibles. We're just getting started, as you said. Uh, very exciting times. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.